might have noticed two new names making regular appearances on Kansas Reflector's story bylines recently, Margaret Mellot and Lily O'Shea Becker. They are joining the Kansas Reflector for the summer as interns and join us on the most recent Kansas Reflector podcast to discuss how they got started in journalism and some of what they've been working on since they came aboard. Margaret, Lily, welcome to you both. Thank you. Yes, yeah, thank you for having us. Absolutely, we're glad to, to have you and it'll be exciting for our readers and listeners to, to learn a little more about you guys and uh, some of your interests in the, the field. And on that note, I'd like to start out by giving them a little bit of background. Um, since this is your first time on the podcast, it would be great if you guys could expand upon the brief information I provided at the top of the intro. And, and Margaret, we can start with you. Um, kind of what brought you to the reflector, a little bit of background uh, on your interest in journalism. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I started in journalism when I was in high school. Um, I was a freshman and I was taking 21st century journalism classes. I was a very shy person as hard as it might be to believe. Um, And I was like, I need something that will get me out of my comfort zone, but um, get me exposed to a lot of different things that were happening um, at my school. And so I was like, I guess I'll do newspaper. Um, So I applied and I got onto the newspaper. um, And then I was there for three years. And then my freshman year of college, I was at Johnson County Community College with the Campus Ledger. Um, And through that, I was able to do um, one fun project with Vintage Casey Magazine, which no longer is in existence. Um, But I got to do some photos and some ad design with them, which was um, a little bit different from what I'm doing now, but still really great experience and still a really interesting point in my in my career and then I transferred to Emporia State University where I was there for four years Uh, so I switched my major about halfway through from social science education to communications and my minor was journalism the whole time Um, I had my minor done actually within like the first year and a half of being at ESU so that was I knocked that out very quickly Um, I did not know that I was really wanting to go into journalism for a very, very long time. Cause I was like, ah, should I do it? Should I not? Um, journalism is a lot of fun, but it also um, comes with a lot of politics. I was a leader um, at the Bulletin. I was editor in chief for, for two and a half years. And that job was so much more than just reporting on issues. Um, and I was like, oh, the politics of the job, it's, it's kind of hard. Um, But ultimately, I love writing more than anything, Um, but I also really am passionate about education. So eventually I'll go back and become a college professor of journalism. Don't ask me where, I have no idea. Um, But ultimately that's that's my goal. Um, I really enjoy helping others learn and watching them succeed and knowing like, ah, yes, I helped them. And the reflector, so um, the reflector was started obviously by Sherman um, and he is an Emporia State alum and he keeps in contact with Max McCoy who was my advisor at Emporia State University. So um, Max was like, Margaret, you should think about doing a few freelance pieces for the reflector, just see how it goes. Um, And that was when 
Um, so I covered some, some really cool things with that. I covered Bob Dole's, uh, former Senator uh, Bob Dole's funeral. Um, and I did a couple like profile features. Um, and then I think it was like the third story that I did. I went to a three hour court hearing um, and I did a story over that. And that was one of the hardest stories I've had to write because I, I had never been to a court hearing. I, there was a lot of things to, to try to understand. You can't record. Um, and so trying to process all of that was, was difficult, but it was really, really interesting. Well, Lily, uh, a little bit about your background in journalism and what brought you to this point. Yeah, so um, I've just always had a love for news. I just love to know what's going on. Uh, both of my parents are watch the news, listen to news radio shows in the morning. My dad's more conservative. My mom's more liberal. So I kind of got both viewpoints growing up. And um, so when I decided I want to come, I wanted to go to KU, um, I, I really don't know. I think I started out with a political science major and then I realized that I didn't want to do that. So I went to journalism with a minor in political science. Um, and then I got to KU and I absolutely fell in love with the J school at KU. And I just really dived into everything there. Um, I started out writing for the Kansan my sophomore year for about a year. Um, and then I started to do copy editing and photos um, for the Kansan as well. And um, then this past year, I had a photojournalism class um, at KU, which is probably my favorite class I've had at KU. And there were protests at a fraternity here on KU's campus. And as a part of that class, I just decided to take my camera and go. And um, I snapped some photos and my teacher was like, these are really great. I think they need to be published somewhere. And um, he actually writes for the reflector. So he helped me get those published with the reflector um, last September. All right, well, I think a natural starting point for our conversation about some of what you guys have been covering thus far um, after talking about your background in journalism. Um, Lily, is, is your story uh, last weekend on the University of Kansas School of Journalism's Jayhawk Media Workshop. You engaged and spoke with several of more than the 80 high school students who attended, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, can you just tell me a little bit about covering this and, and what kind of drew you to this event? It was actually Eric Thomas who writes for The Reflector. He ran this workshop and he reached out to a bunch of students at KU to be RAs for residential assistants for the week while a bunch of high schoolers came and stayed in the dorms on KU's campus. And I was like, sure, like, why not? Um, and then once I was there, I just, the idea kind of came to me. I'm like, I have all of these young aspiring journalists like right in front of me, like what is a better opportunity than now to talk with them and kind of get an idea of, you know, what they think journalism means to a democracy and um, where they wanna go in life with journalism and kind of what this workshop meant to them. And we kind of got into voting and it was just, all of their responses were so encouraging. Like they were all below the age where they can register to vote, but they just really um, wanna get out there and they wanna make a change and they want to, and they believe journalism is an important part of that. So it was really interesting talking with them um, and just getting a high schooler's perspective because it was just, even though I'm only like in my senior year of high or college, it was just, 
interesting to kind of look back and be like, wow, I like wonder if I thought this way when I was in high school as well. So. Right. There seemed to be a, a lot on these kids' minds um, and, a, and a wide variety of topics too. a lot of um, thoughtful insight. Was there anything in particular that really stood out to you um, from some of these conversations? Um, well, I think the thing that really stood out to me was that all of them said that they it's their duty to vote. You know, like when they turn 18, they all plan on registering to vote. Um, and as somebody who's like, I'm interested in politics, like that was just interesting to me. Um, and I just feel like this generation just has like a lot of motivation to go out and make a difference. And it was just really encouraging for me to hear that. So, yeah. Right. And not all these kids were seeking a, a future career in journalism, um, right? Is that true? Yeah, yeah, that's true. One of them I spoke with wants to be a radiation oncologist and he was taking, um, leadership and news class. I don't know. He writes for his paper back at, um, at school, at his high school. So, you know, they just, and one wants to be, um, she's thinking of enlisting in the Air Force and would love to bring like her love for photography with her. And she was in the photojournalism class that week. And it's just interesting to see like how much, like, you know, like earlier this year at KU, we had Dr. Sanjay Gupta from CNN come visit. And he's not only a journalist, but he's a neurosurgeon. So it's just, it's really interesting to see like, you know, how, how widespread journalism is and um, all the different paths you can take with it. So, yeah. All right, let's uh, transition from some of those student perspectives to uh, a little bit of what's on teachers' minds. Uh, Margaret, you are bringing, you know, this uh, appreciation for education to this role uh, as a reporter for The Reflector. Um, mm -hmm. How did that shape your, your interest in, in this story? Um, I come from a predominantly teacher family, so um, a lot of my family, I mean, my parents aren't teachers, but I have a lot of um, teachers in my family. I actually, um, back when I was in high school, I think it was my junior year, I have family out in western Kansas, um, and my aunt my great aunt uh she was she's she's been an english teacher she was trying very very hard um not to get me to go into education um and this was you know six years ago she was like margaret it's it's not gonna be um a profession that you're you're gonna want to do go into journalism um and then she actually had me shadow uh suzanne perez or um, not Suzanne. Oh my gosh. Okay. I've forgotten her name. I apologize. Um, but she had me, uh, to or someone, um, with broadcast journalism down there, but even six years ago, she was like, Margaret, education is not something you want to go into. Um, and looking at this story, it started as one thing, um, as more of like getting information. And then I started talking to, people who train teachers. Um, they were the first interviews I had. So Joan Brewer, who is the Dean of the Teachers College down at Emporia State, uh, Janet Waugh, who represents District 1, which is the Northeast District in, in Kansas on the State Board of Education here. Um, and you know, they were trying to keep very positive, um, which is totally understandable. I mean, you you look at some of these kids that come in um, to colleges and they're like, I wanna be a teacher. And something uh, Janet Law said, she 
Um, she was like, teachers don't see this as a job, they see it as a calling. Um, and that really stuck with me because that's exactly how I felt. And it's still how I feel. I'm just, you know, taking a little detour before I become a teacher. Um, but this story, listening to some of these interviews that I had, um, particularly with Jeff Plinsky, who's a teacher at Lawrence High School, and um, Jessica Popescu, I believe I'm saying her last name correct. Um, she was a former teacher who just left the field this year. She was teaching for, for nine years. Um, and then Jeff has been a teacher for I, more than 25 years. Um, he's still a teacher and just listening to them talk about how much they love their students and how much they love working with the kids in the classroom and then hearing that sort of emotional switch into essentially telling people not to go into education right now um that was really hard um but it was in my mind it was it was an extremely important story to tell because i know from my own family and my own experience that those are sentiments that have been echoed for years um so yeah in in the story you know you noted uh, the alarming survey from the national education association which showed that 55 percent of teachers might be ready they might be ready to leave the classroom and in kansas there are 1381 teaching vacancies i think as of april 12th can you kind of bring those figures to life i think sometimes people see numbers and they don't really equate that to what that kind of means in the in the real world and in the real classroom setting Mm -hmm. There was a quote in um, my article from Jeff Plinsky that was essentially, I'd be just as happy at a minimum wage job um, because people there won't yell at me and they won't, you know, try to, to get me for, for teaching their kids things while, you know, my colleagues are um, sheltering kids with their, with their bodies from bullets people can't seem to stop. I don't think that's the exact quote, but that's the essence of the quote. And I think that sort of explains, um, helps explain those statistics. It's, and with teachers seeing it as a calling, this is a very reluctant thing. I don't think teachers really want to leave. They love the people that they work with and they love getting to help impact kids. It's very much so um, like my own experience. I, that is my favorite thing in the entire world. It was my favorite thing as editor at the bulletin was getting to help um, you know, some of these young students come into to journalism and um, watching them succeed and watching them get awards. That was one of my favorite things. And I think it's very much so the same kind of thing in schools. It's the kids teachers really enjoy and they really love that part of their job. But the job also comes with so many other things and so many other complications and it's hard and when you look at teacher pay that's such a low number um you know across the country and for for as little pay as they're as they're getting they're being asked to do so much and I think when we look at the the 55 percent from the NEA I, 
it's it's a hard number to to try to comprehend. But when you when you think about the real stories, um, the people behind those numbers, I think it really kind of puts into perspective. And when you look in Kansas, with the the number of vacancies, there's probably always been, um, you know, a, a number of vacancies that that are necessary. So, and each district district has different needs. So I think that that, um, and when you divide that number by the number of schools in Kansas, it's only about four and a half uh, vacancies per school. But you look at that number and you, you look at districts in highly populated areas like the one that I grew up in, which is Shawnee, Kansas. Um, and we have a lot, we had a lot of teachers and we had um, a lot of students but then you also look at some of the numbers at schools where like in Western Kansas, where my family's from, you know, and those, those schools are much smaller in number, but you also have teachers that aren't going out there. Um, and so the people that have stayed in those positions are at retirement age, um, but you have no one to fill those positions. So four teachers there could mean the world of, a world of difference than four teachers were like I grew up. So, yeah, you know, I, I from reading that, you know, part of the frustration or, or some of the criticism, of course, is is coming from the legislature and, and the way that the legislature has approached maybe some of the issues, especially in light of COVID nineteen. We've also seen educators, students, families alike grappling uh, at the federal and state approach to gun control issues, and recently that conversation has been. Recentered after the school shooting in Uvalde, Texas. And Lily, you had a story regarding the influx of members joining uh, Kansas Moms Demand Action. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, that story? Yeah. So um, that weekend that I had that article was published, um, there were various events around Kansas um, with. Moms Demand Action, but they were partaking in this weekend called Wearer Orange. Um, and so that weekend, I kind of talked with a bunch of different groups around Kansas that are a part of Kansas Moms Demand Action. Like there's a Salina Moms Demand Action and there's a, you know, so forth. Um, and so they all kind of had their own events. And I believe it was Wichita and Salina that had had blood drives. Um, and I talked with them. And then just because there's a shortage of blood supply in the United States right now. And, um, or one of the people I had talked to, they had said, um, you know, after the Uvalde shooting, um, they, um, Kansas Moms Demand Action had over 2000 calls about people wanting to join or people wanting to help or, um, you know, and it was just like, there were, in, in addition to that, like there was a new independence group that was set up just because so many people in that area, you know, finally wanted to join Moms Demand Action after, um, all of these events that have been happening, all these mass shootings that have been happening recently. Um, and, you know, it's just, it was, it was, it's, it's interesting to see that all these rural communities are coming together and there's enough moms in those areas that want to, you know, join Kansas Moms Demand Action. And, um, and yeah, and I've seen them tabling, I'm in Lawrence, I've seen them tabling at a few events here. Um, I just saw them this this weekend at the Juneteenth uh, celebration in South Park, they were tabling there and educating parents on um, gun safety and whatnot. So, you know, they're just, they're growing in numbers and they're doing more and more events and just trying to educate people, so. 
Right. And Margaret, you, you know, you covered a, a little bit about what some of the state's political leaders, uh, candidates, activists are thinking about uh, what's on their mind. Um, what kind of ideas and, and concerns were you hearing from uh, some of those folks? So my story had a mix of both people already in office and then people that um, had filed for the first time uh, for the upcoming 2022 election. And uh, I got a lot of different perspectives, but the general feeling I'm, I'm getting from both sides is that regardless, people want concrete action. Um, and there were some suggestions, um, you know, give teachers guns. There was other suggestions that was, um, you know, increase security, um, and making sure that all doors are locked at all times. I know with the, the Uvalde shooting, there was an investigation into, into that door. Um, and I think people are just wanting to confirm um, the safeties of, of doors in Kansas, um, as, as strange as that might sound. But um, in, in Kansas back in February, I believe it was February, it may have been March, um, my apologies. There was that, um, the shooting at Olathe East, um, where an administrator and then the school resource officer um, were shot, both survived, but, um, and that was a student that had brought the, the gun into school and they were searching bags. But, you know, I don't think it, Kansas fortunately has had not anything major happen, but I think there's that constant fear hanging in the back of everyone's minds that it very much so could. And I think people, people want to know what legislators plan to do because we have to protect children. I would love to add on to that. When I was talking with those high school students um, at the Jayhawk media workshop, I kind of asked them, you know, is there anything you want your politicians to do? You know, is there any issues that there, is there anything they're doing well at? Is there anything that they're not doing well at? You know, and a few of them mentioned um, gun safety and gun policies and whatnot. And they're just scared. Like they're just scared. And it's just like, it's really sad to like have to talk to high schoolers about that. And that's just a reality for them. Right. You know, I think it's, it's interesting how you guys point out that no matter which side of the issue you're on, there is a, a desire for concrete action and something uh, to be done. As we kind of wrap this podcast up, I, I wanted to prepare, I guess, our, our listeners for coverage they can expect this summer from both of you guys in the coming weeks, in the coming days. Um, so Lily, we can start with you. You know, What are you planning to work on? What do you have in the hopper? Uh, give people a little sneak peek. Yeah, of course. Um, well, next week, I'm actually meeting with um, three Democrats who are running unopposed for my first ever podcast. So I'm preparing for that. Um, and just kind of kind of talk. Well, I've reached out to some Republicans, too. I hope I plan on doing a podcast with them as well. It's just these three answered first. Um, and so just kind of talking to them about, you know, they're all comparably younger. So I'm going to ask, like, what's it like running as a young Democrat unopposed in Kansas? Um, I believe all three of them have held, like, they've, they've, this is not their first 
you know, rodeo, this isn't going to be their first time in office. Um, so kind of asking them, what are they going to change from their last term and kind of get an idea of that. And also, um, my, I'm looking, my in-depth article this summer is I'm looking at, um, homelessness across the state of Kansas and kind of how cities deal with that. And, um, yeah, so that's what you can expect from me. <laughs> and Margaret, uh, what can everybody look forward to? So I am finishing up a story this week on, um, so there's an effort from the Kansas State Board of Education to create an Indigenous Education Advisory Council um, to improve and reform education surrounding Indigenous peoples in Kansas. Um, so I think that will be a really interesting thing to come. The, the council that's being formed this year um, is just a temporary one with the hopes of building a permanent council. Um, so I think that's going to be um, phenomenal in the state of Kansas. It's so important to, to have that history and to, to be taught it in classrooms. Um, so I think that will be fantastic. And then long-term, um, I guess also the other thing that I'm, I'm working on right now is about the early, the Center for Early Childhood Education. I struggle with that name. Um, Adam Poria State, it was um, shut down earlier this summer, but then Laura Kelly came in and there's another Center for Early Childhood Education in Emporia now. Um, I apologize, that's where it is, I should have clarified. Um, so I think that will be interesting seeing how everything pans out with that. And then the long-term story I'm working on is about um, Kansas administrators at, um, let me try that again, Kansas University administrators. There's been a couple of um, admin offices at different universities that have just completely dissolved or left this year. And then there's been high turnaround rates of administrators in the last year, two years um, at other universities. And I just think it'd be kind of interesting. And I think it would also be reflective of the direction that higher education is going in, um, in Kansas. So I think it'll be, I think it'll be an interesting one. All right, that is all the time we have today, but I wanted to thank both Lily and Margaret for joining me today. All the stories discussed today can be found at kansasreflector.com. And we're excited to have both of them on board this summer and readers should be on the lookout for more of this important coverage in the coming weeks and months.